Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, good morning. I, uh, I could not believe Larry. I, I'm seriously, I got here this morning, and I couldn't believe he came wearing football clothing and attire, you know? I just, I just thought... What is wrong with you? This is a place of worship. Oh, this is a place of worship. Here we concentrate on important things. Okay, now that that nonsense is over. I, in the risk of offending Raider fans, I button up. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so that's all over with. We got that done. Fun and games. But I want to talk to you something about, actually this morning, about something very, very serious. I'd like you to ask yourself this question. What would you do... If you had found out that you only had one month to live, if you had 30 days left on this planet, what would you do? How would it change your priorities? How would it affect your relationships, your finances, your everyday life? If you knew you only had 30 of them, what would those 30 days look like? How would you make them matter the most? It's a good question to ask ourselves every once in a while because it kind of helps put things completely in a different perspective because the truth of the matter is we don't know. Not any one of us in this room knows how, much, how many more days we have left, how much longer we'll live. We really don't know that. What we do know is that every one of us in this room, without exception, will come to an end of their life. So let me ask you again this morning. What would you do differently if you had 30 days to live? Jesus told the story about a similar kind of situation, a very short time frame. In fact, if you've been going through with us in the book of Luke and uh, doing the daily devotionals and reading through it this week, you read that story, and you probably read that story and started scratching your head and saying, what was that all about? So we're going to take a look at it this morning. If you want to take your Bibles, if you have them with you, or your smartphones, or your iPads, or whatever else you might have, and turn to um, Luke chapter 16. Now, Jesus has been telling a number of stories. We've been looking at them for the last couple of weeks, and the audiences are a little bit different in each one. This morning, he's talking mostly to his followers, and he tells this story. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So we called him in and asked him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manage any longer. Manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. Manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked his second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. So he told him, take your bill and make it 800. And here's where the twist in the story comes. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. 
I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. And maybe as you read that this week, you started scratching your head. So what in the world is Jesus doing here? I mean, I know parables. I know there's a point to them. What is Jesus teaching? Is he teaching that he condones dishonesty? That doesn't sound right. Is he saying that sometimes it's okay to cheat? That doesn't seem like Jesus. Is he talking about buying your way into heaven? Well, the answer to those three questions is no, no, and no. But he is teaching about something very, very important. Since the beginning of this year, as we've been heading into this new year, we've been talking a lot and focusing a lot on our finances. And this morning is our Try the Tithe Sunday. And, and you're probably wondering, because I, I know it happens. Anytime we talk about money, anytime we talk about giving, there's always a little bit of tension in the room. There's always a little pushback. And, and, and it's very, very clear here. Jesus is talking about money. He ended the whole story with that whole thing. You cannot serve both God and money. So he's making a point about our finances, but it's actually a much bigger point. And part of it has to do with this. And we talk here about becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And you cannot be, listen carefully, you cannot be wholehearted and withhold this part of your heart. By definition, you are not wholehearted unless you are willing to surrender this aspect of your life. Because Jesus said very often and very clearly, your money is where your heart is. And your heart is where your money is. And so he tells this story, he's making a point. And it's not just about our finances, it's really about everything. It's about all of our resources. It's about money, most clearly, yes. But it's also about our time. It's also about our talents and our abilities. And what he's saying is, what are you doing with your life? And what he's talking about here is there are some principles that you need to understand and I need to understand if we are going to truly live as if this life had an end to it, (laughs) whether it's 30 days or 30 years. There are some principles here about how we are to rearrange our lives in the light of eternity. And I'm making it real simple this morning because there are three T's. Okay, and if you want to fill in the blanks and you want to make sure you get the right answers, it's temporary tools and trust. These are some things, if you're going to live your life the way that it really should be lived, if you're going to live your life focusing on what matters most, here's some things you need to know. You need to be convinced that our life in this world is temporary. See, that's what drives this whole story. There's a sense of urgency about it. Um, What has happened is, there's this rich man. He is so rich, he hires somebody else to manage his money. Okay, He's got wealth, and and, and, and he just can't handle it all. He hires somebody, a professional, to to manage his money for him. 
But word gets back to him that this guy's dealing dishonestly. That he's actually taken a cut off the top. That he's, he's managing the money, but he's also embezzling at the same time. And when he finds out about this, he calls him in to his office and he says, What's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. He said, I've heard some stuff about you. I want you to show me. Show me the books. Go, go back. Here's what I want you to do. In fact, you're fired. You're fired. You're done. Wrap up business. Get out of here. Now, these days, that kind of scenario, it would happen like this. Turn over your computer. <laughs> print out the final spreadsheets. Here's a cardboard box. We'll take you to your desk and we will escort you out to your car. <laughs> your job here is over. You're not going to get a chance to do one more thing to mess us up. Now, probably this rich guy should have taken that approach, but he didn't. <laughs> he gave him an opportunity. He says, I want you to wrap up your business, finish whatever deals you got going on right now, wrap it all up, but your time here is short. You're done. There's a sense of urgency. He knows he, he's, he, he's got a little bit of time and he's got a small window of opportunity. And this is what he does. He comes up with a contingency plan. What will I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do when I lose my job here. And people will welcome me into their homes. Notice the references to time. What shall I do? What's the word? Now. What will I do now? I got this little bit of time here. I, I, I don't have much time. It's, it's like it's really limited. What am I going to do now? This is really important to the story. My master's taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. I got a little bit of time. I got a little window of opportunity. What am I going to do now? Because my time is short. What am I going to do? I got, I got to make the most of my time right now. What am I going to do now that will ensure for me when? See, that's what this whole story, that's what drives the whole story. He is thinking about now in light of his future. So what he does is he comes and he, and he calls, you know, calls all the debtors in and he brings them all together. And he says, hey, what, what do you owe my master? Bottom line, what, 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 what do you owe him? 900 gallons of olive oil. Okay, here, here's what we're going to do. Sit down, quick, quick, quick. Before anybody sees this, sit down. Let's rework the bill. 450. We'll cut it in half. You can handle a half. You can handle 450, can't you? Oh, yeah, I can handle 450. 900, that'd be a lot, take you a long time to pay off, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, 900, man, that would take me forever. But 450, I could do right now. Quick, sign it up. And he does. And as he's walking out the door, he says, hey, 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 thanks a lot. And by the way, if there's ever anything I can do for you, you just let me know. Oh, I will. Sooner than you might think. <laughs> Calls in the second guy. How much do you owe my master? 800 bushels of wheat. Wow, that's a huge debt. How long do you think it's going to take you to pay off that 800 bushels? I don't know. It's, it's like it's beyond me. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. 
or 1,000 bushels. What, what, if we, what if we knocked it down to 800? 1,000 you can't handle right now, but 800, do you think you could do that? 800? Yeah, I, I could probably come up with 800. Okay, quick, quick, quick. 800 bushels. And as he walks out the door, hey, wow, thanks a lot. Man, if there is ever anything I can do for you, you just let me know. I will. See, that's what he's doing. He's got this little window of opportunity. His time is short. But he knows that his future is not looking too good. Because he's not going to be hired back as a manager. And he can't dig ditches. And he, and he doesn't want to be a beggar on the street. So he's got to do something now to ensure a better future for him. A little bit of time. A little window of opportunity. Now, we all know that our life on this earth is temporary. We all know that. We know every one of us, we know that someday our life is going to come. We don't know when it's going to be, but we all know that it's temporary. The trouble is we don't want to admit that to ourselves. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about ever having to die. We don't want to think about what our future might look like because we're busy right now. We don't want to think about dying in the future. We don't, in fact, we don't want to believe we'll ever die. Woody Allen said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it by not dying. <laughs> and he's pretty much saying what all of us think. I, I don't want to die. Life is incredibly fragile and incredibly short. Just last month, in the period of one week, I performed three funerals. One was for a 65-year-old man. The other was from a 28-year-old young man. The third was with a two-week-old baby. And it just, man, life is short. And none of us know how much time we really have. We don't want to think about it, but, but the truth is our life is short. We've only got a little bit of time and a very little window of opportunity. Jesus is saying, that's the whole deal. We've got to understand that, that what we do now has a great impact on the future. And we've only got, every one of us has only got a little bit of time and a little window of opportunity. That's all we have. And we, if we think that way, it will change the way we live the now. We will do now differently if we start thinking about our future. If you went and for some reason had to spend a week in a Motel 6. And anybody ever here stayed in a Motel 6? Okay, all right. So you know, it's not the nicest room you've ever stayed in. <laughs> but you wouldn't go into that room and start redecorating. You wouldn't change the curtains in there. You wouldn't put in a an ensuite instead of the bathroom they got? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put a penny into that place. Why? Because it's not your home. You don't care. It'll do for a week or so. You wouldn't do anything about it. You wouldn't even care so much about it because you know it's not your home. Now, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, this is not your home. You only got a little bit of time and a little bit of window of opportunity. you got to realize that. Psalmist put it this way. Teach us to number our days aright 
that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, living for the future changes the way we live now. And the way we live now will impact the future. Because that's the second T. Our resources are meant to be tools. See, that's the whole thing. Now, this is the twist to the story. Because every one of the listeners to the story are thinking to themselves, whoa, this guy really is a bad money manager. He really is dishonest. And he's only got a little bit of time and he's only got a little bit of opportunity and he's using them to his own event. He is twisting things. Man, when his master finds out about this, he's going he's gonna to end up in jail. They expect outrage because this guy has proven to be just as dishonest as the rumors were. And yet it says the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What? That doesn't make sense. I can't wrap my brain around that one. What's the point here, Jesus? See, Jesus is starting to move to the point. He says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are, than are the people of the light. What he's saying is, people who don't believe in an eternity, people who don't really believe in a life after this one, People who don't think there's anything beyond the here and now. People who think this is all that there is. They are incredibly shrewd at taking what they have in the moment and doing something with it to ensure a better future. He says the people of this world, people who have no thought about eternity, who really don't think past the end of this life, who think nothing about where they will spend their eternity, they are so shrewd they know how to leverage what they have now to make a better future for themselves here on this earth. They are better at that than the people of light who believe that there really is a heaven, who believe that there really is an eternity, that there is a life beyond this one, who really do believe that this is the temporary home. He says the people who live for the here and now, they're better at leveraging their resources in such a way as to ensure a better life for them here and now. They are better at using the now for their future than the people of light who really know what the future is about. And that's where he's getting to the point of the story. They know how to leverage what little time they have to ensure a better future for themselves here on this earth. So I tell you, use worldly wealth. That's your stuff. Your money, your car, your home your vacation time, whatever it might be. Use your resources, use your stuff. He's not saying it's bad stuff. He's just saying use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What he's saying is, I want you to see that all the stuff that you have is a tool. It's a tool to be used for eternity. That I didn't give you this stuff just so you can enjoy it all and just have a good old life and time on this earth as if this was all that there is. He says, I want you to see the resources that you have. They are tools for eternity. 
And in the same way that this guy used what little bit of time and what little window of opportunity he had to leverage it for a better future for himself here on this earth, he says, I want you to take your resources, your stuff, your money, your time, your talents, your abilities. You take what makes up you and use it as a tool for eternity. That, that's, that's, that's what he said. That's the point that he's trying to make. Gain friends so that you will be welcomed into eternity. He says, be strategic about your stuff. You believe there's an eternity, don't you? Yeah. And you know that this life is, all, is not all that there is. This is just a short moment, of, a brief vapor, if you will, compared to eternity, don't you? Yeah. Well, then why aren't you living now in light of that eternity? Why aren't you using what you got now for the future, the real future. He said, use your stuff to love people into eternity. <laughs> That's in essence what he's saying. Use stuff to love people. And more often than not, we've got it the other way around. We use people for the love of our stuff. No, no, no. If you are living, if you, you've got to change the whole way you're thinking. Because if you're thinking about eternity, then you really got to start using stuff to love people. Use your stuff and leverage it to love people. Now, that just seems really crass. That just seems like manipulative. That just sounds really weird. But let me ask you, who are you most attracted to? Stingy people or generous people? Generous people. How many in this room love stingy people? How many love generous people, especially when they're generous to you? Yeah, because it's a tool, not a tool to manipulate people for your own good, but to love people into eternity. Let me give you a real solid example of this. In this room, how many have started attending Northgate, have made a first-time decision for Christ, have been baptized, or have come back into a relationship with Christ since we have been meeting in this building? In the last seven years. How many in this room? Raise your hand. Okay. Here's what I want you to know. Ten years ago, when we were talking about this, one thing, and we, we used to say it all the time, and I, it's my fault. I haven't said it enough. We haven't said it at all lately. But the truth of the matter is, and what we said years and years and years ago is, listen, we are paying the way for the people who are not yet here. See, that's what it means to be a church that cares about unchurched people. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ who cares for those who do not yet know him. That we are always paying the way for the people who are not yet here. That's what Jesus is saying. Use your stuff. Use your money in such a way as to impact the kingdom of God. Let me give you a more personal example of that. Many of you here know Rick and Kima Small. I'm not meaning to embarrass them. I didn't asked their permission ahead of time, so I'm going to ask forgiveness afterwards. <laughs> years and years ago, for years, Rick and Kima Small ran a youth ministry out of their home. They opened up their home to high school-age kids. And for years, they used their home to reach high school kids for Christ. And they have the broken furniture... Soda and peanut pizza stains on their carpet to prove it. 
They opened up their home. They used their stuff for eternity. In fact, they continue to open up their home. Not youth ministry so much anymore, but in other ways. They use their stuff to impact. Now, as our church grew, and and as they kind of got too big to really meet in their home anymore, we moved on campus. And at that time, we were renting off um, warehouse space down across the freeway over here. And it just outgrew their home. And so we started meeting there. But they still continued to open up their home. They did Rick, every Thursday morning, had a group of high school boys over to his house, and he called it the Oatmeal Boys. And Kimo would get up early and make oatmeal, and they'd sit down, and they'd pray together. They'd study, study Scripture together. He'd invest his life and his stuff into helping people understand eternity. Here's why it touches me so much. One summer, Rick took his vacation, about 10 days of his vacation, and he and Mike Wright put this thing called the Boys of Summer. And they rented a couple of Winnebago's, took a group of about 20 high school boys. And just did a a tour of Southern California. Now, at that point, my son was in high school. He was going through a real difficult time. Really questioning God. Questioning what he believed and didn't believe. And as a parent, I couldn't do anything. I mean, we, I'd done my best, but I knew it at that age. They're making decisions for themselves. And on that boys of summer trip, Rick Small spent one morning of his summer vacation in a conversation with my son. Changed the direction of his life. Now he wasn't a bad kid. For the most part, he was a good kid. He was making good decisions, good grades, all of those things. But but he was in that very fragile time in life where every one of us start to question: why do we believe what we believe? Is it really true? It's a all this stuff that my parents have taught me, all the Sunday school classes I've been to, I don't know. My son is strong in his faith today because somebody used their stuff for eternity. See, that's what Jesus is saying. You have a little bit of time You have a small window of opportunity, and you have stuff. You have some time. Don't waste it all on yourself. You've got some talents. You've got some abilities. You've got some relational skills. You've got something. Don't just waste it on your own good for this life, which is going to come to an end anyway. You've got got money. 
that most people in this world would dream and love to have as much as you have. Don't waste it all on this world. See, that's what he's saying. And that's what this whole try the tithe thing that we're doing here. And that's what this morning is all about. And, 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 and I, I just, this isn't about a fundraiser. This isn't about church finances. This is about you and the kingdom of God. And where are you investing your time and your talents and your treasure? And Jesus is saying, listen, you've got a little bit of time. And the people of this world who live only for this life, they understand that. So they use that time and they use that ability and they use that little opportunity to, to, to make a better life for themselves in this world. Why would you not? Why would not the people of God who believe in an eternity that every one of us is going to spend somewhere? Why would you not? Why would you not take at least a portion of the little bit of time and the little bit of resources you have now and invest them for the kingdom of God? He says, do this. Do this so that you will be welcomed into eternity. Now, what does that mean? What it means is invest in such a way that when you get to heaven, there's going to be people there that know you because you invested your time and your talents and your treasure into the kingdom of God. And they are there. And they're going to come up to you and say, hey, I'm Bill. Thank you. Thank you because... You opened up your home. You let me break some of your furniture. I was a stupid high school kid with no direction in my life. But you used your stuff in light of eternity. And I'm here now because of it. See, that's, that's the point of this story. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. And here's the bottom line. Our wealth is given to us as a trust. Our wealth is given to us as a trust. He goes on, and this is how he wraps up the whole story. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. It's about trust. That's what he's saying. Whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. See, understand, it's not the amount, it's your heart. See, that takes away all the what-ifs and Someday maybes. Because <laughs> he says it's not about the amount. It's about your heart. And people, people say, you know what? Man, if I won the lottery, I would give at least a million dollars of it to the church. Well, that's great. We could use a million dollars. But what are you doing with the $2,000 paycheck you bring home every month? Or whatever it might be. 3,000, what, what are you doing with that? Because what you do with the little is what you're going to do with the much. That's what Jesus is saying. When I get a raise, when I get a raise, then I'll be able to start giving to the work of God. No, you won't. You'll just increase your standard of living and spend it more on yourself. Be honest. I do. <laughs> I have to seriously sit down every year. Betty and I, we have a discussion about it. We had a long discussion, a lot of discussion this week about our part in Try the Tithe. What are we going to do? Because this is for all of us, isn't it? Just for, and we already tithe back we, above and beyond tithe. And we give to other things besides Northgate. But, but what are we going to do now? Because we're being challenged to take a new step of faith. See, if we truly understood, we got a little bit of time. We got a little window of opportunity. And we've got resources that we could use as tools for the kingdom of God. 
What are we going to do? That's the trust. That's what this is all about. And, and let me just say, if you're here this morning as a guest, I'm speaking to our church, okay? Um, I, I don't want you to think that getting to heaven has to do with anything about giving money. You don't buy your way into heaven. That comes freely as a gift. Jesus already paid the price for that, okay? But for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand we've been given a trust. If you had a very expensive gift that you wanted to send to somebody on the other side of the country, and you wrapped it up all neatly, and you bubble-wrapped it and made sure it was all really good, and you took it down and you had the FedEx guy pick it up for you, and, and it said, okay, here it is. Take care with it. And then you found out a few weeks later that the FedEx guy took it home, opened it up, and he's using it in his own house. You'd be a little ticked off. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? I didn't give this. This isn't for you. This is for somebody else. You're supposed to deliver it. And he would say something like this. He would say, well, if it wasn't for me, why'd you give it to me in the first place? <laughs> gave it to you to deliver it to somebody else. I trusted you. That's what Jesus, this is the whole point of the story. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What are true riches? Jesus talks about this all the time. True riches. Seek first the kingdom of God. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. What are the true riches? People. Everything else we have in this world is, is going to fall apart or go to somebody else. The only thing we take with us into eternity is people. That's, that's the real treasure. And if you can't be trusted with the money stuff, how can I trust you with people? <laughs> See, that's what it's come down to. It's not my stuff. It's not your stuff. It's just on loan. God owns it. It's his. It's his. So he's given us a trust. And he says, what are you going to do with it? And if I could fully grasp, if you could fully grasp, if we could fully grasp the truth that we know is true, but we don't live like it's true, that our time on this earth is temporary, that God has given us resources as tools and what it really comes down to is trust. Temporary tools, trust. If we could grasp that, truly grasp that, I think it would change everything. So Jesus ends. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 